Chris Gausser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt has been bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey and is feeling a bit under the weather, but we're going to go ahead and soldier on. First up, it's Ethan Cohen's solo effort, Driveaway Dolls. Joel gave us Macbeth. How does Ethan's solo road trip mix up adventure fare against the unending adaptations of the Bard's work? Is that even a fair question? Then Nick Cage continues the cage assance with Dream Scenario. Or does he? There's a suitcase full of physical media featuring the streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week, and then Matt and I are going to discuss our five favorite Coen Brothers characters. So grab some huggies and settle in for another rowdy episode of The First Run as Matt slowly succumbs to zombieism. Here's a clip from Driveaway Dolls. Where do you want to go? Tallahassee. Tallahassee. What's wrong with Tallahassee? It's very nice. There's Spanish moss and live oak. Curly here. Don't call me Curly. And your name, Curly? My name is Curly. We just met. It's too familiar. Have you ever been to Tallahassee? No, I got good sense. Your car is a Dodge Aries. Oh, okay. Is that a good car? Not really. You sell those shirts? You see all those shirts? Matt, what is Driveaway Dolls all about? I got to tell you, too, I want to preface this. I was really looking forward to this this year. I think it made, at least I will mention on my list, I think it might have made both of our top ten lists for most anticipated of 2024. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Jamie and uh, Marion, two young lesbian friends who... One of which, Jamie, is very much a physical free spirit who's all about getting some tang. And Marion is a much more... That's a phrase reserved... I don't hear entirely enough. Tang. <laughs> I use it a lot, I think, as a gag in college. Like, because it's so bad. And over, you know, mm. when you try and kind of reclaim something. Like, like yeah. I tried... I, I was on a jag for a while of trying to bring back, yeah, you did. Or yeah, mm. the, you know, but and that didn't really take off. Didn't catch on? That didn't catch on nah, for you? Nah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your st- story, so please, driveway dolls, continue. It's all right. Um, all so about Marianne, the tang. Yeah, that's right. Jamie's all about the tang. Marion is much more reserved, um, demure. Oh! <laughs> continue. And uh, they decide to get out of town. Marion's going to go visit her aunt that lives in Tallahassee. They come up with the idea of doing a driveway, which is basically where you pick up a car and you drive it to a location. And there just so happens that somebody has ordered one to be delivered to Tallahassee. Well, it turns out that there may be something in the trunk and there may be some people after it that they uh, run into some trouble about. All right. This is absolutely fascinating. So Matt, driveway dolls. (laughs) So the brothers decided to break up for a bit, though... They have supposedly, right? They're coming back together. They're going to work together again now in the future. Or at least they have a project that they're working on together. Sure. So, Joel does Macbeth, which is kind of the uh, German minimalist version that's currently available on Apple Plus, which I think both of us really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and that was really fascinating and interesting, I think, uh, artistic experience. Ethan here is more trying to make a, uh, I don't know, Matt, what, a road trip buddy kind of running afoul of the bad guys while trying to kind of, I don't know. It's a a road trip movie, basically. 
Uh, but it's also very, very uh, sex positive for the queer community. And I'm watching this thing. I mean, I mean, very positive, very, very positive. And I mean, I'm no prude, yo. But uh, uh, still, it's 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 intense sometimes. But I, I'm, but I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, I I'm kind of uncomfortable having this deeply gay film done by a straight guy, a straight cis white male, you know. But then I find out. After doing the barest amount of research, that it is co-written, produced, and edited by Trisha Cook, who is his uh, domestic partner. So what happens? I guess a few years ago, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know the time frame. I say a few years ago. I'm, I'm pulling that entirely out of my keister. Uh, or um, what is my your research? Your saying? research stopped before you got to that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, okay. I didn't nail down, or at least remember. Uh, the exactly the time frame where this happened. Dupa, that was the word I was looking for. Very good. Came out of my dupa. Uh, that she actually came out. She's okay. actually a, a, a gay woman, and they still are together and co-parent basically in that capacity. Okay. okay. And I feel much better now that Great. this film actually was written by uh, a gay woman. And what I can feel though is I feel the. Ethan's influence with the script it almost feel like mm. it's, it's, it's like punched up right mm. to kind of fit that Cone brothers delivery that that you know that the thing that they do here and in the end the film for me is a disappointment mm. what about you yeah so this is um so if Macbeth is the austere artistic side of the Cohen brothers where they're sometimes at their best, you know, uh, no country for old men, things like that. Right. And then, um, this is in the vein of, you know, the more wacky surreal side of the Cohen brothers, you know, I think you're raising Arizona's mm-hmm. or your big Lebowski's. And sometimes when those come together, you can have something that's magical like Fargo. Other mm-hmm. times you can have stuff like, uh, the lady killers which is just a big old unfocused mess, right? And I don't think it's that bad, but it's it misses the mark. It's not as clever as it thinks it is by half. It's a little too, I think, wordy, and the jokes don't necessarily land. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when you compare it to when you compare it to another uh pair of mismatched uh unmatched lesbians that we had earlier or late last year doesn't really hold a candle if you're talking about a uh, lesbian buddy comedy that's true if you're like chris what should i watch i, I have a quota to fill as part of the uh mm-hmm. the uh, you know the woke progressive uh right the ally side you have yeah, like, yeah. As an have ally, watch, you have to watch at least have to one. Check one off do you want right. should i watch bottoms or driveway dolls it's bottoms seven days a week and twice on sunday obviously for me yeah it's the film all the problem is everything kind of feels forced to me, right? It, and it's also chaotic, and all at the same time, it's also it's very like gossamer thin. It's very slight. Like I, I, I don't know. It doesn't. It lacks the depth of a, of the traditional kind of Coen Brothers films, which again is not. It's not a Coen Brothers film, so I shouldn't hold it to that standard. I think that the cast certainly is all enjoying themselves while they're making this film. They're certainly winking at each other, maybe winking at us. But the part of the problem is I never really felt in on the joke. Everything kind of is just unfolding around me, but it's all feels so 
don't know, like I say, it feels forced. Except for Beanie Feldstein. I like Beanie a lot. I think she, as the uh, scorned former lover of Marco Quayley's character, uh, I think she was a lot of fun in this. I enjoyed her kicking lots of butt and being profane and all that stuff. And I like, too, how just kind of in-your-face it is as a film. Though, again, I think it's done much more successfully uh, in Bottoms than it is here, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not surprised. I mean, as much as I love the Coen Brothers films, and when they hit, they really hit. They do have some very uneven output. And, you know, it's just, it's par for the course. I mean, they have taken some swings at some comedies and that just didn't work and that's okay i mean i can appreciate what ethan is trying to do but unfortunately this is going to be an kind of oddity footnote in his filmography yeah i think i think you're right about that like there's this scene too there's stuff that intercuts where this miley cyrus shows up right and these kind of psychedelic scenes which are Supposedly slowly filling us in on the core mystery or what's going on, what's in the case, what's in the mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction glowing case type thing, right? But part of me felt like it was, they were inserted there just so we can pop our runtime so we can meet the, the cinematic minimum. Right. Right, because this thing's, what, like 82 minutes long? Which, 84. It, so, And it felt really long. Yeah. <laughs> It does not breeze along at all. And it's, I, I, I will say, you know what? Let's say something nice, Matt. I think it's got a good soundtrack. Mm. I think they do a really good job of uh, selecting the songs for the film. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's fine. I'm giving, right now, I'm sitting at a C minus for uh, Drive Away Dolls. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a C minus as well. It's. I'm a little disappointed. It happens every year. At least one of our top ten most anticipated always disappoints us horribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I don't want to try to be more droppy. I want to be more droppy. I don't know why. We'll see if. Uh... Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, Driveway Dolls is currently in theaters. You, you can see it there. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Just an email feedback at the first run dot com. Uh, I see things. I like Quayley. I like uh, you know Visual Withanen. I think she's. I think they're both really good. She was in uh, at uh, um, Geraldine. She was in a, a movie Blockers, which I have not seen, which I hear is very funny, uh, which I want to catch up with still. And I've liked Margaret Quayley since she popped up. What was the first time I saw her? Was it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh maybe. Regardless, it's uh, it's one of those things where lots. It's a great cast: Coleman Domingo, Pedro Pascal is in his Bill Camp, and Matt Damon. When Matt Damon shows up. When that billboard shows up, I laughed. I just laughed at the billboard because you you can usually count on Damon to be just absolutely ridiculous in a small role. I love how game he is for basically anything. You know, I, I've always respected that about Damon. Uh, but yeah, so he's able to get. A bunch of great people in the film, but again, even like Pascal, everything. Again, it, it feels it just feels forced so much. So much of it feels like trying to capture that Coen Brothers magic, but it's just it, it eludes them the entire time. Like almost like someone wanted to make a Coen Brothers, like like when Tarantino blew up, and we had all this kind of Tarantino knockoffs for like yeah. five years after that. Yeah, 
It was kind of like that. It's like, oh, I want to make a Coen Brothers film. But it actually is one of the Coen Brothers. Right. Well, they need the, they need each other. They're a symbiotic filmmaking apparatus. They they need to temper each other's worst impulses, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> could be worse. It could be drivers and James designing. That's very true. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Huh? Physical media. This is what's coming up this upcoming Tuesday, March 5th. What 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 did you say his name was? The the man with the silver knobbed whip. I said Liberty Valance. <gasps> but if that's what you gotta do, you better start packing a handgun. A gun? I, I don't want a gun. I don't want a gun. I don't want to kill him. I want to put him in jail. Oh. Well, I know those law books mean a lot to you, but not out here. Out here, a man settles his own problems. No, but do you, do you know what you're saying to me? You know, you're, you're saying just exactly what Liberty Valance said. What kind of a community have I come to? You all seem to know about this fellow Liberty Valance. He's a no-good, gun-packing, murdering thief. But the only advice you can give to me is to carry a gun. Well, I'm a lawyer. Ransom Stoddard, attorney at law. You may be shocked to know that that's Jimmy Stewart, along with uh, John Wayne. Two, really... Yeah, very... Their acting styles and their voices are so subtle that you wouldn't pick it up. But I'm glad blended. you pointed that out. Yeah. <laughs> so that, of course, is a clip from The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is being released in 4K by Kino Lorber this upcoming Tuesday, March 5th. There's a brand new restoration on that from Paramount. And there's a brand new Filmmaker's Focus by Leonard Malton on there. And then feature commentary by Peter Bogdanovich, which includes archival recordings with John Ford and Jimmy Stewart, which is kind of cool, and some other stuff as well. So I've never seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I've been told it's a classic of the genre. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd like to see it at some point. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Son of a bitch. All right. Uh, where are <laughs> Wait, we? why I'm... is it okay that you haven't seen it? Then I have. Because <laughs> you're seen... like the more Western-y guy. Yeah, but it wasn't. The, it's it's never the type of Western that really appealed to me. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching. Uh, I've been working my way at night after when I do dishes through uh, A Fistful of Dollars because it's on Max. Mm. Oh. The movie's so damn good. It is. It is fantastic. And I've been listening to uh, Morricone too, like the last week of plus. Course. That's what uh, that's what it was. Is that I I was listening that to uh, I, I I was creating all my playlists got deleted off my computer like six months ago, and I've been slowly rebuilding them. And I finally got around to rebuilding my Morricone playlist. Mm. And I just got sucked into all the music again, and I'm like, oh, I gotta watch Fistful of Dollars again too. Why did I bring that up? No idea, because uh, we're talking about westerns. Number five. Who are you people from Gravitas Ventures? 16-year-old Alex Fixelmat has always felt out of sync with her affluent Portland parents, with her private school peers, and with herself. I'm having trouble speaking tonight because I really bit the inside of my lip, like right, my, really badly. It's, it's, it's really bothering me. When Alex's parents interrupt her impetuous attempt to seduce her high school English teacher, hello, they plan to ship her off to boarding school. But before Alex leaves, she finds an old letter in her mother's desk indicating her biological father is not the man who raised her. Featuring Yeardley Smith. Oh. Devin wow. Sawa. And the first Mrs. First Run, Alyssa Milano. That's oh, why. That's how it made the list. Uh-huh. Very good. Uh, Alyssa's on that. Alyssa's in it. 
four. Shout Factory is putting out Over the Edge. New Granada is planned community mat set in the desert where there is nothing for the kids to do save for a rec center, which closes at 6 p.m. The parents and their zeal to attack, attract industry in their town have all but neglected their children. As a result, the kids begin to create their own environment, which involves vandalism, theft, and general hooliganism. During an incident which one of the kids brandishes an unloaded gun at a cop, he is shot and killed. When the parents gather the night to discuss the killing and a level of lawlessness among the youth, they soon find out their kids have had all they can take. Brand new 2K restoration of that. Uh, new interviews with the director, uh, screenwriter, and more. I've never heard of this film, but uh, Over the Edge is being released by Shot Factory. So, all right, fantastic. That's for you. What's next? Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Huh? So we're getting our. Is it annual? No, no, no. Whenever a new film comes out, we get a new box set. Saw the ten film collection is being released on Blu-ray. I think it includes Spiral, which I guess would be eleven then. Okay. All right. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But if you like the new Saw, you can buy the box set yet again. I bought the one of the boxes used for like eight bucks uh, so I could have all the films. Of course, like how they put one, two films per disc because, you know, the bit rate and stuff. So who cares? It's a soft. What are, you, what are you there for? So, yeah, you can buy that box set now. The two Utes. Uh, uh, two what? Uh, what was that word? Magnolia is putting out Lord of Misrule, a desperate search for the young daughter of the town's new minister. That's it. That's what it says. But it's the director of not only The Boy, but Orphan First Kill, a movie I rather enjoyed. I had a lot of fun with that Orphan First Kill. And I still love the first Orphan film as well. So I thought we'd bring that to your attention, too. (laughs) And uh, what else we got here? I guess, is this the last one? I guess this will be the last one. There can be only one. The Lion in the Winter is being released by on Blu-ray by Kino Lorber behind the great stone walls of an English castle, the world's most powerful empires in crisis, Matt. Three sons struggle to win their father's favor as well as his crown. King Henry II and his queen, Eleanor, engage in a battle of royal wits that pits elder son Richard against his brothers while the cunning king, Philip of France, takes advantage of the internal fracturing in his bid to destroy their kingdom. Brand new for restoration that. I think the word he's looking for is restoration. 4K. Audio commentary with the director... And well, and more. Uh, Kino's also putting out The Long Riders from uh, Walter Hill, the brand new 4K restoration. Death Rides a Horse is being released in Blu-ray by Kino as well. And then your 4Ks, we're going to go with the 355. You know that spy CIA team-up thing with like Jessica Chastain and Penelope Cruz and Bing Bing Fon and Diane Kruger and Lupita Nyong'o? Well, they're putting that out on uh, 4K. And then Little Monsters. The old film with uh, Fred Savage. And was that Howie Mandel? I think it was Howie uh, Yeah, Mandel. it was Howie Mandel, yeah. He's getting a steel book from Walmart. Your straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go with Age of Demons. A tree of sorceresses. Oh, I'm surprised I didn't trip up on that. Are hell-bent on offering 100 human sacrifices in order to access Hades and bring forth the Age of Demons. They kidnap Mitch Feinstein, a satanic punk rocker with a unique psychic power, and force him to summon a demon monster who is let loose into the world to wreak mayhem and destruction. Mitch quickly enlists his goofy brother Don and his karate club compadres to do battle with the Coven's evil henchmen. In a final ditch effort to save humanity, the brothers combine their powers to resurrect Don's mammoth robogs class project Cybertron, who flies to the rescue and challenges the demon head-to-head in a blood-soaked laser beam battle to the death. Sign me up for Age of Demons. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Well, in preparation for 
the big movie coming up next week, uh, Dune is now moved off of Max exclusively, and now it's available on Netflix if you're interested in catching up with that before the Volume 2 drops. Or, if you've already seen it and you want to watch something a little newer, uh, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving is available on Netflix as well. So, I heard two things. One, that if you have the ad plan for Netflix, okay. the ad tier... Yeah. You can't watch Thanksgiving. There are really? certain films that are not available on the ad tier. Interesting. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And then there are uh, also two there. Supposedly, I saw on the Twitters today that they're going to be raising their prices against you. Yeah, I heard. I heard Disney's recently raised their prices on Disney and Hulu. Um, I think everybody across the board is going to be raising their prices. I think Apple's going to be raising its price. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, come on, give it to me one more time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So <laughs> I think, uh, it's what we're in for. I don't know where we, I haven't reached the breaking point yet because they do it just enough where it's like, uh, can I not afford another dollar? I can, but I don't know. It's getting worse. I may start hopping. Are you? You know, I, I mean, I, I, Wait for a show to roll. I don't really... You know what? I can't say that, though, because the missus and I got into the Suits show on Netflix. Mm. God damn it. And there's like eight, mm-hmm. nine seasons of that thing. Yeah. And uh, and I can't get the Criterion because I, I just got another $10 coupon from them. And they're having a flash sale. By the time this show posts, it's going to be over. Right. But they're having a 50% off flash sale right now. I think I have like three $10 coupons sitting in my uh, thing there for them, too. Mm-hmm. Good. but yeah no it's frustrating it absolutely is frustrating so all right what's left dream scenario you feel like talking about that for a little while let's let's do that yeah all right let's do that who's certain they've actually had a dream about me okay let's explore this this might get us somewhere interesting does anyone want to share the content of their dream yes you well um i'm in this forest wandering around eating these strange mushrooms and I'm in like a full tuxedo for some reason. And there's other people also dressed up, but they're all scared, like frozen in fear. And then I realize it's because of this really tall man running towards me. talking to me yes Paul. he'll kill us Paul. i've never seen these beautiful and that's all i remember (laughs) ah interesting so i'm looking at the mushrooms instead of helping oh i suppose yeah okay let's hear another one anyone 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 have another one Matt, dream scenario written and directed by a guy named Christopher, uh, I, I apologize, I should look this up, Borgley, Borgley. First off, Christopher spells his name wrong. Not only is there a K, but there's two Fs. I don't know what game you're playing here, Borgley. And Cage plays Paul Matthews. He's a, uh, I don't know, 
mild-mannered biology professor, and he starts appearing in people's dreams randomly. It just starts popping up. And the the problem he seems to have is that not is not not that he's showing up in people's dreams, but he's like a casual bystander. He's nothing not doing any anything proactive while these weird things happen around these people. And at one point, he makes a decision to do something, and all of a sudden, the dreams turn dark. They get scarier. They become more apocalyptic, more horror. And he's still mostly upset because he's still a by, bystander in a lot of this stuff. But then he does kind of shift, I should say. Once that turn comes, he sometimes will be what the uh, the terrifying agent of the evil in these people's dreams. So Cage is had been experiencing a bit of a renaissance, especially if you want to throw in my beloved pig. I do adore that film. And I'm watching this thing and I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? What, what greater point are, are we making? Cause I don't think we're creating any engaging form of entertainment. I mean, I, I enjoyed aspects of the film. I enjoyed certain things. I like Nicholas Cage in it for the most part. I love his constant need for validation what he's doing with his voice at first was like, what are you doing? But then I kind of bought into it because of his character. Uh, I I like little gags. Like he's in the, he's in the bar or whatever he is. He's reading a book called why zebras don't get ulcers. Right. There's lots of little things, but as a whole, I don't know if this worked for me. What about you? Yeah. So he's not a particularly likable character. I guess cage is, you know, doing his game best to give you this put upon weirdo. And the idea of it is very surreal and silly at times. And it can be entertaining, but then it kind of, like you said, it takes the turn and I guess it has like a message that, you know, X thing that happens in today's society is bad. So therefore... You know, we, I don't even know what the ultimate thing is because it seems like it should have been so easily explained to anybody with a half a brain. Like it's just your dream. And then it also then becomes like this whole monetization influencer thing. That's bad too. So like, I don't, it's, it seems to be cancel culture. Well, that's, that's the thing I was talking about. Cancel culture being bad. Right. Um, and I guess Mm -hmm. it was, did I hear Arnold? Mm-hmm. Did I hear Arnold right there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you found a new favorite. At least it's yeah. short. At least it's short. Good. I. <laughs> I. Do you have that? Do you have you, you son of a bitch lined up as well, right along with it? So you can just do one oh, after the other. Oh, I, I don't. They're actually in different places on my board. Mm-hmm. I really should uh, move those around. That's a good point. Yeah. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I gotta move that. All right, continue. It, anyway. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Uh, it's an unfocused mess on where this thing is. I think it could have been interesting if they had stuck with certain... I think if they had kind of jettisoned the whole cancel culture bit of it, that would have been made it better. I think if it would have been more focused on like a character study of what this kind of ineffectual person is who has this strange power and what he does with it, yeah, it could have been a better movie. Um, but I will say... One of the most ridiculous laughs I've had so far this year is in this film. 
and all I can say is, you know, when fart orgasm fart happens, it is, <laughs> I could not stop. I could not, uh, I guffawed pretty loud. It's weird because I think that he does an interesting thing balancing the transitions, the tonal transitions of how the, just the absurdism that the film is sometimes. Then when we shift to this, this dark comedy, to this horror, to the family drama, I think for the most part it works. But that particular scene was such a big comedy thing that it almost like let all the air out of the balloon for me because and then i'm like what do again what do, what are we what are we doing here i don't understand what we're doing here i i don't know it just felt like an artsy film somebody had a got really high and had an interesting idea and i think it is an interesting idea yeah it is an interesting it's a little half-baked i could have used a little bit more time yeah, and then just kind of like you see, yeah, like you're saying, I think maybe we ran through with its first draft, and so we throw in some drama, throw in some comedy, throw in some horror. And I will say, if you want to see a weird movie that is probably twice as long, three times as long, but will scratch all these itches, I'll tell you, watch Bo is Afraid. It's it just seems it's more I feel like more competently done and more cohesive, even though it's weird and bizarre. And, but I don't know. I just didn't connect with this thing really much at all. I, I don't know. I, I have this one, Matt. It's funny. I have this at a C in my notes, and I think I'll I'll, I'll maintain that because it's I, I did like the affect that Cage puts on himself. He's purposely annoying. His constant need for validation, all of this stuff, and uh, the the crumbling relationship with his family. I enjoyed the jokes about the alt right and Joe Rogan. I always love a good Joe Rogan riff. Can't stand that guy. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I give it a C. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a C minus. Um, there's if you want to watch Cage being weird and good, you know, decent films or at least ones that are fun to watch. There's plenty out there. I mean, go watch Mandy. Go watch adaption i mean there's plenty to choose from this is just a a miss and a career with lots of highs and 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 many 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 lows this is for you perfection that is just chef's kiss wonderful matt what is that one so good okay i gotta keep my hands off the giraffes that's enough i think we've had enough for tonight all right all right, so uh, I guess that's that. If you had a CNC Dream Scenario, you can rent that uh, online, I think, right now on most of your uh, providers. So I think it's going to be hitting one of the... St- oh, I think HBO Max, like in uh, a few weeks. The uh, other thing to, to point out, hello, the uh, A24 deal with Max is live. So a lot of the A24, not all of it, but a ton of the A24 library is currently available on Max. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, uh, it's one of the few smart things I think that they've done as of late. So uh, I'm happy to see that. And Did I you hope- see where Zaslav got booed giving that a commencement address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I didn't fantastic. see it. I heard about it. Well, he I was heckled, yeah. It's pretty good. That's good. I'm very happy about that. And I hope this means, too, that at some point, they're probably different revenue streams, but that A24 will shift their digital copies away from Lionsgate because Lionsgate does not participate with movies anywhere, which means it doesn't show up in my iTunes. It only goes through Vudu. And I'm not a Vudu guy because I'm not a Walmart guy. So that's that. Am I done complaining? Yes, I am. 
So uh, let's wrap up the show, Matt, and share our five favorite Cohen Brothers characters. Here's one that didn't quite make the list for me. I don't know if it's going to show up on Matt's list. I, I, I don't think so. Larry, I want to thank you for coming. It's so important we'd be able to discuss these things. I'm happy to come to Ember's side, but I'm thinking, really, maybe it's best to leave these discussions to the lawyers. Of course. Legal matters, you let the lawyers discuss. You don't mix apples and oranges. I have begged you to see the lawyer. I told you I'm going Monday. Monday is timely. This is not... (laughs) Please, Ember's is not the forum for legalities. You're so right. Mm. No, Judith and I wanted merely to discuss... Practicalities, living arrangements. After all, this is an issue where no one is at odds. Living arrangements? I think we all agree that uh, the children not being contaminated with the tension, most important. We shouldn't put the kids in the middle of this, Larry. The kids aren't. I'm saying we. I'm not pointing fingers. No one is playing the blame game. I didn't say anyone was. Well, let's not play he said, she said either. I I wasn't. All right, look, look, look. Let's just take a step back and and we can diffuse the situation. You know, Larry, um, sometimes I find that if I count to ten, one, Two, three, four, or silently. It's an episode of long clips, Matt. I think everything everything's eclipsing in a, a half an hour, an hour. Jesus Christ, Chris, get down there over a minute. Usually, we try and do thirty to thirty seconds to a minute, but this is a uh, almost one thirty. Because that is a clip. I think you needed the full impact of Cy Abelman and Larry Gopnik from A Serious Man. Both uh, honorable mentions for me. And Cy Abelman is becoming a meme after uh, the film for the uh, in the nose people out there. The people who are cool. No, I guess I'm not in the know. I'm not, I'm not down. I'm outside. Oh, I'm disappointed to hear that. So, yeah, that's uh, honorable mentions for me, too. I think if I had to go between the two of them, I'd probably go Cy Edelman, but, again, they're both on my list. All right, Matt, I'll go first. We'll give you the ultimate number one. I think I'm going to go with uh, uh, Oscar Isaacs as Lewin Davis is my number five, the uh, struggling uh, musician who uh, is intersecting and going through and meeting all these people and kind of trying to figure his life out. Be a successful musician, butting heads with his former lover, played by Carey Mulligan as well, uh, running into uh, Bob Dylan at some point, right? And uh, just basically living a life of disappointment and being ticked off that everybody doesn't recognize his genius. And uh, I love Inside Lewin Davis. I think it may have been my favorite film that year it came out. So, uh, but I've always really, uh, I've enjoyed that film and I love that performance by Isaacs. And I love how... The Coen Brothers shoot that film where there's almost like a an inky kind of I don't know how to describe it like a there's like a patina on the film where it's almost like a like a cloud over it the whole time so it's very dreamlike the whole thing oh which I want to ask you in my notes is dream scenario a dream is the whole film a dream mm, I'm gonna say no all right well the director said it, it is it could be it could be. It could be. Yeah. There's a whole thing about how, I guess, in your dreams, you can't turn off lights. Oh, okay. And there's a scene when Cage goes to stay at Tim Meadows' house, and he can't turn the light off. 
but okay. Hardy tries. Interesting. So well, it's deep, bro. It's Again, deep, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can go ahead and cut that out and edit it into the prior segment. No, <laughs> Thanks. I look forward to doing is. that. Yes, thank leave you. Leave it at That's fine. That's fine. So Illuin Davis, number five. What do you got? All right. Well, so. Better be on your goddamn list. No. <laughs> they, uh, it's funny. I, all my favorite Coen movies are their more serious ones. Mm-hmm. But when I was thinking about their characters, their comedic characters are the ones that stand out to me. So for the most part. So I'm going to go with uh, Ch- Chad uh, Feldheimer, which is played by Brad Pitt in the uneven Burn After Reading, uh, where he plays a ridiculous himbo who's way out of his depth. And um, it's just Brad Pitt getting the chance to do, give a comedic performance and just kind of the absurdity of it is a lot of fun. And of course... His shocking exit from the film is something that is uh, is is a drop for for the Coens that uh, is very memorable from that film. No, it's a good one. That is an exceptional one, bro. So, uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's one of the best things about that film. Actually, is Brad Pitt in that movie. So, no, it's a good pick. He's an honorable mention for me. I'm gonna go with. I've been really struggling with this because there's so many great characters, but I think I got to go with Tom Regan in Miller's Crossing as my four, played by uh, Gabriel Byrne. He's a right hand man for an Irish mobster, and he basically there's a, a mob war that sets off, and he is basically moving in and out and manipulating things to slowly potentially try and take out of all his rivals, and then uh, you know whatever happens happens. But there's got that classic scene in the woods with John Turturro, right? It's, it's, on, it's on the poster. Now, I haven't bought the Criterion one because remember, folks, the Criterion one is edited. The Coen brothers actually changed some of the stuff in the film for the Criterion release. So, but I just the I just love how wily and clever and charming that uh, Byrne is throughout that entire film. So, uh, Tom Regan's my four. All right. Well, my number four is uh, Walter Sobchak, played mm-hmm. by John Goodman in The Big Lebowski. He is the loud, obnoxious, boorish friend of the dude and Donnie. Very overpowering, um, bullies his friends, is violent, is a crazy person, and debatably a veteran and he just drops drops all kinds of uh of bon mots throughout the entire thing uh just john goodman just basically yelling his way through it giving you a glimpse of what conspiracy theory nuts were like before the advent of the internet and they could talk to each other well that's it uh this is the foundation for what we're going through today and uh he does it beautifully yeah i Goodman is great in a lot of the Coen Brothers film. I really love him as well in uh, Barton Fink, and uh, he shows up in uh, he's in uh, Lewin Davis as well. But yeah, he's, I, yeah, he's always great. My number three. Then here's where we get into uh, layup stuff territory here for me, and it's gonna be uh, it's the dude. It's uh, um, I Subject was on my list for a while as well, but. I, I don't know. I think Bridges, his Lebowski is one of the, it's like one of those classic characters. It's a pitch perfect performance. It's an iconic character really for what he's able to do with that film. And it's one of those things. It's, it's one of those lightning in a bottle films. 
and it's uh i should say light they've captured lightning in a bottle but you know what i'm trying to say that i was i was right the first time but i don't know why i'm doubting myself it's late i'm tired my mouth hurts so yeah no bridges as the dude i mean it's if it's not in your top five coen brothers characters i don't know i don't know what the hell you're you're talking about so looking at my list here i'm wondering there's a chance we might have the same top three a chance maybe not this next one maybe not this next one we'll see all right so my number three then speaking of the uneven great actor of our time nick cage uh my number three is h.i ha mcdonough from uh raising arizona a film that never gets old as a bumbling low-level small-time crook an ex-con who marries a policewoman and despite all their efforts they cannot have a child so he decides that the best way to do this uh, to, to solve that problem is to go kidnap one and just the kind of comedy of errors that ensues as he continues to dig him he and ed can continue to dig themselves deeper and deeper into their situation um and and the you know he's a participant in one of the great chases of all time uh, as as far as uh the uh, scene of of him robbing that starts with him robbing the convenience store is just chef's kiss wonderful mhm mhm yeah take out what is it the huggies yeah i high is not he's an honorable mention for me he actually was in my top 5 at one point but i pulled him out i just I don't know, there's just other things I enjoy, other performances I enjoy more, including my number two, which is Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh in uh, No Country for Old Men, one of the most terrifying villains I've seen in the past, what, 25 years or so, whenever that thing came out. Was that 2007? 2007. So, Matt, but there's a big shootout in the uh, in the Texas, in the desert there, and uh, Glenn Moss, played by, uh, um, what's his name there? Why am I? Josh Brolin comes across the money, takes off. The uh, cartels hire Shigor to track down the money and get it back. And he's then stalking him and his loved ones and everybody until he can get, complete his mission. One of my favorite things about this film is how violent it starts. And as the film progresses, you get less and less on-screen violence, even though it's all just as terrifying. With that bowl cut and those dead black eyes of, uh, of um, Javier Bardem, just terrifying stuff. So he's my number two. Yeah, he's my number two as well. Uh, no Country for Old Men is one of my favorite movies ever. It's one of those films that I can just watch over and over again and never get tired of it. And Javier Bardem as this kind of force of, na- of nature. I, I hesitate to even call him evil because he just is. Yeah. He just kind of goes through and does what he does. And if you're in the way, then so be it. Um yeah, his Anton Chigurh is just fantastic. It is, and granted, I guess it could be argued that you know Cormac McCarthy, as the original writer of the book, you know delivered, created the character. But I think Bardem and the Coens really bring it to life. That's a fair point, man. I still it's one of those things that's stuck in my head when he's strangling that guy at the gas station. What oh is yeah, it? no, or, he's then, uh, he's strangling the cop who arrested him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and and just the the the. the the black scuff marks from his heels on the floor. It's brilliant and terrifying. So, yeah. So then my number one then, Oh, do we have the same number one? No, it's not possible. Go ahead. Okay. I know you, I know you, uh, we know what yours is then. So then mine is March. It's March Gunderson. 
It's Francis McDormand from Fargo. The uh, cops set out to uh, figure out what the hell's going on with all the, with the what with the. Uh, I haven't watched this movie in so damn long. I can't remember how Marge gets involved in the case. Well, she's a cop, and basically they find a, a dead trooper. car, right? And a, yeah, that's it. There's a dead trooper, and there's got dealer plates on it, and that's how she kind of gets involved. With it. Okay, thank you. But her her interactions with William H Macy at the car dealership are fantastic. When she's interviewing those two girls in the bar, which you may hear a bit about when we close out the show later, uh, all that stuff. And her, but the the purest, the best thing about it too is her her relationship with her husband Norm, uh, played by John Carroll Lynch. It's one of the sweetest, purest kind of relationships you'll see in the movies. He's so supportive of her. And uh, it's great, but she's also ready to kick some butt if she needs to as well. When she comes up on that wood chipper, dear God, some crazy stuff. So, uh, but just a great, subtle, yet big performance by Frances McDormand. And that's why uh, Marge is my one. Yeah, she's an honorable mention for me. Um, I I love Fargo. Oh, yeah? Is, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honorable mention because one, number one has to be the dude. He is a completely... Yeah. He's an iconic character. He will live on as the one creation of the Coens that will endure as something that will go through many generations to come. And it is, you know, film nerds will watch Fargo. They'll watch No Country for Old Men and they'll recognize how great they are. But the dude is something that's going to be watched in hazed out college dorms for decades to come um it's basically what this is uh, what you what you don't you don't think that a bunch of stoners are gonna sit around watching this and no i dorms? do entirely i was i was belching in my, in my oh. <laughs> but your belching so face looks like your you. disagreement face is is uh they're the same it's because i i kind of got near my wound in my mouth when i oh. was trying to choke it down all at the same gotcha. time i bit my tongue yeah. and my mouth so that's wow. why Man. Yeah, no, thanks for exposing me right now. The uh, <laughs> You're entirely right. And it probably should be my number one. I just like mm-hmm. to be a little different, you know, and I try and that, stand yeah. out a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here. But, I mean, that's just like your opinion, man. It's like your opinion, man. <laughs> this I still say, this aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> and nobody ever gets it either, and I'm always very disappointed. <laughs> that is heartbreaking. Yeah. No, that's good. I gotta watch that again. I want to do some kind of Coen Brothers run of all my favorite films. Any other honorable mentions for you, Matt? You know what? I'm just gonna put out a, a, an honorable mention for Steve Buscemi as uh, mm-hmm. both Donnie and The Big Lebowski, and uh, Carl in Fargo, um, opposite Peter Stormare and his love of pancake houses. <laughs> I watched that clip too when I was pulling clips. Yeah, I had Walter Subcheck. I had Charles Feldheimer, like Charles, Charles, Chad. Jeez, I can't talk tonight. Jerry Lundegaard, uh, Larry Gottmik, we heard. Tom Reed, we talked about. I don't know how much he's on my list. Carl Showalter from Fargo. Um, Johnny Casper from Miller's Crossing as well. Charlie Meadows from Barlett and Fink. Edwina, I want to give a love to uh, Holly Hunter as well. And then finally, Lauren Visser, played by M. Emmett Walsh in Blood Simple as well uh one of the great character actors having a fantastic sinister turn in that film so uh yeah there you go who's your favorite coen brothers character just an email at feedback at the first run.com so what's your what, give me your top three coen brothers movies matt i think i would go no country for old men obviously probably oh man 
Lebowski and Fargo, right? But that pains me because I love Inside Lewin Davis so much and I love Miller's Crossing so much too. And Raising Arizona. Wow. Yeah. Tough. Three is tough. That is tough. Yeah, I would say... Uh, I would say number one is, is by far No Country for Old Men. Then I think it's Fargo. And then depending on the day, it's either going to be Lebowski or Raising Arizona. I think you, depending on what mood you catch me in, it's going to be one of those two. Yeah, sounds good. All right, feedback at thefirstrun.com. Let us know. Matt, what's coming up next week on The Big Show? Well, a movie that I'm actually excited to go see in the theater because it will benefit from the theater experience is Dune Volume 2 is coming out. Have um, you seen the uh, early reviews floating around out there? I caught. I haven't read any of the reviews. I try, I'm trying to stay away from it as much as possible. I did see a very, very early Rotten Tomatoes scroller of 95, but I don't know what's happened since. People are gushing. They are, are saying they? one of the greatest sequels ever made. Not to get wow. you too super hyped up. Are you going to buy one of those popcorn tins? <laughs> no, I'm not going to buy one of those popcorn tins. Are you? No. Yeah? It's too weird. And speaking of weird, then we're going to catch up with the the film that uh, Chris really wants to see, Lisa Frankenstein, that I made him watch uh, something else. Uh, what did we watch instead of Lisa Frankenstein? We watched... Um, what did we watch? Oh, the the prehistoric horror movie, Out of Darkness. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Out yeah. of Darkness. I couldn't see it on my list, even though it's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, that's getting a digital release. Um, I think now. Okay. Actually. Awesome. Perfect. So you can watch it yourselves if you wanted to. And uh, yeah, I guess that's that's that'll be the. Oh, and it's our big Oscar prediction show. So we're going to oh. tell you who will win and who should win. In the mm-hmm. Oscars. Are we going to do our gentleman's bet as always? What do we do? Is it a $10 gift card or something like that? Yeah, I think so. We can do. We can continue the tradition. All right. The last couple of years I've won because Chris Pain. has gone with his heart as opposed to his stop. head. I got to stop doing that. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Hand it over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. Help other people find the show. And of course, go to thefirstrun.com where you can find archives of all the old shows as well as uh, the report card, which I think I need to update again. I think I'm about three weeks out. So we'll get updated on that. And uh, I guess that will be that. In the meantime, we love you very much. Take care of yourself. And we'll see you soon. Okay. I want you to tell me what these fellas look like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah.